a podcast from the Arkansas Baptist State Convention. You're listening to Inspire On The Go. It's your weekly dose of fun, encouragement, real-life conversations, and all things women's ministry, regularly featuring segments from Andrea's radio show, Truth On The Go. If you find yourself on the go, then this is the podcast for you. Now, welcome your host, Andrea Lennon, as we talk about all the great truths that we can take with us as we go through our day. Hey, sweet friends, it's Andrea. I hope that your day is off to a great start. Oh, I am so excited today as we come to this program. And today I was just thinking about the beauty of transformation, that beautiful concept of sanctification that works out in our lives, that concept of becoming more like Jesus in the way that we think, in the way that we act, in the way that we react, and just the beauty of the fact that we don't have to stay the same. We don't have to stay stuck in our old ways of thinking, our old ways of you know acting, that every day is an opportunity opportunity to engage in the process of becoming more like Jesus. And we talk here on this show all the time about our salvation story. And today we're going to talk about our sanctification story, that process of becoming more like Jesus. And I have a dear friend with me. If you've read God in the Window, you know our story and we're going to unpack it today together. But Donna Seal is with me. And Donna, welcome to Truth on the Go. Thank you, Andrea. I love that you're here. We can, <laughs> I love being here. We could talk for days. And, and we do for and we often. do. We talk, I mean, all the time. We just talk on the phone. We talk as we walk through all different aspects of life. And Donna, I want to establish your credibility first and foremost as we talk about sanctification and we talk about renewing our minds. Uh, you are a Christian therapist, but also you're a psychotherapist. And so tell yes. us what you do. And I'm in private practice as a licensed psychotherapist, and I'm also board certified as a Christian counselor. And I've been doing this for almost 25 years now. I love that. And let me just go back and tell you a little bit about my story with Donna. Whenever we met many, many years ago, I was intimidated by Donna, which just makes me laugh so much because she is now my best friend in so many ways and my mentor. And I mean, just like everything. I mean, just love Donna so Mm -hmm. much. But when I first met her, I thought, okay, she's a Christian counselor. She's a Christian psychotherapist. She's going to be able to figure out that I do not have it all together. And so I wanted to hide that for some crazy reason. And so I would have these like casual interactions with Donna where it'd be like, hey, how are you doing? And what's going on? And how are you? And I mean, just really quick, you know, conversations. And then we went on our very first mission trip together. And uh, your children are my age. And Mm -hmm. so I know them. And Kyle, your son had said to me when we were going on this mission trip together, he said, mom, mom is going to figure you out and she will fix you. Well, that terrified me, the thought of that. And so we were sitting next to each other on a flight just from Little Rock to Atlanta. And I think you said, well, how are you doing? And I'm like, here we go. And I I didn't say another word the entire trip. And she just unpacked her entire life story on that plane ride. I sure did. And my son set all of that up. It was so funny. He had her running from me. He would just go, you won't even know it's happening, Andrea, and you'll be telling her everything. So and she just thought, I might as well do it. That's right. And I just <laughs> thought, well, when she said, how are you doing? I was just like, I just thought, well, we better dive right in. And that was the beginning of a beautiful yes, friendship, absolutely. quite honestly. But let me go back even earlier than that. I was first friends with your daughter, Emily, and she 
had told you about me and about my call to ministry, and you lived in a separate town. Yes. And one day, out of the blue, a package arrived to my front steps, and I opened it up, and it was a set of Bible commentaries that you and your husband sent to me. You didn't even know me, but you were excited about my call to ministry and wanted to be a part of that. And that is Donna Seal. She is an investor. She is just a cheerleader, and she is just so gifted in helping people to really step into the life God has for them. And so I see that in you and I celebrate that. And I'm so thankful. Let's talk just a little bit, Donna, about your life and about your journey with the Lord and how you got into counseling and helping others. And so tell us a little bit about you. Well, I was a stay-at-home mom for many years. And uh, someone asked me when I got into counseling, what have you been doing for the last 20 years? And I said, the most important career of my life being a wife and a mother. And I invested a lot in that and am so thankful that I did because then I felt completely free when the children left home. I had to look and decide what I wanted to do with the rest of my life. And I wanted to do something that was meaningful. And this is a field that had always interested me. And I was the person that people would call and want to talk to. And I I paid attention to the things that were happening in my life. And I was very drawn to people and their stories. So I went back to school, uh, got a degree, then went on to specialize in Christian counseling because I felt like when I was doing my graduate studies, anytime I would come across a theory from the psychological world, I thought, that is great and it works. I could always find a biblical principle. We're not going to discover something that works that God hasn't put in front of us in the Word. So that began a journey where I was I would look at ways that would help people where that truth is in front of us and even believers aren't understanding how to utilize that in their daily life. And that started many years ago. But after moving to Conway and Andrea, I love hearing how our story began because there's so many things that God has used to connect our lives. It, it touches my heart every time I think about it. But moving to Conway, God had really laid on my heart for many years to write something that would help people with their thought life. Because in my practice, I would sit with people and they were believers. They truly had given their heart to Jesus. They were active in a church. They were active in Bible study. They knew the word, but yet there were things in their mind and ways that they thought about things that were causing a lot of distress. And they were unaware of that. And so that became something that I really wanted to help a lot of people with, not just one at a time. So I wrote a Bible study called Think on These Things. I asked my pastor to look at it. I wanted to make sure it was sound biblically. And he looked at it and said something like, go for it, sister. And uh, we both agreed that this was going to be useful. Little did I know at that time, you know, how many opportunities I would have to use that. We took the uh, Bible study, turned it into a seminar that I've offered many times. I'm still hearing from people of some just practical things that help them. And we're going to get into the material that you wrote and think on these things. But before we do that, I want to Mm -hmm. just kind of talk about when you see women and men, for that matter, Mm -hmm. in your practice and in your office, Mm -hmm. what are some things that you see people struggling with? Well, I probably see more people with anxiety than 
anything else. I see a lot of depression, a lot of anxiety, but, you know, it is the number one mental health issue in our society. And anxiety is driven most of the time by our thought life. People have a history of worry. That's how we think. And so I see a lot of that. I also see a lot of people struggling with how to biblically look at themselves. They have a self-concept that's not based on biblical truths. And when we think about both of those things, the anxiety, the worry, as Mm -hmm. well as just the biblical concept, it really does go back to our minds and it goes back to how we think. And I think about the number of scriptures where we're told to renew our mind or to have the mind of Christ. And so talk to us a little bit about our minds and our brains and how all of that works. Okay. And in the in the study, uh, the Bible study and the seminar, the first thing I try to help people understand is our brain. Because God has created every aspect of who we are, and that begins with our brain. I mean, we can't even wiggle our little finger without brain involvement. And yet, we don't spend a lot of time talking about how to have a healthy brain. We are getting better at that, and we know some things about brain health now. We know more about head injuries. We're more careful with those kind of things. But one thing that most people don't realize is the power of our thoughts. Every thought that we have sends a chemical reaction in our brain. We are activating certain areas of our brain by what we think. And so to understand the brain structure and what we're doing with our thoughts, I have seen that be very helpful to people. I had one lady say to me after the Bible study, she said, I just thought My thoughts were my thoughts. I never understood what they were doing to me. So understanding the brain structure and the power of what is in our mind. I know that you've described that as hardware and software. So unpack that for us. Okay. This comes from Dr. Timothy Jennings. He's a Christian psychiatrist that's done some really wonderful work on helping people understand this concept. But if you think about a computer, you know you have your hard drive and you know you have your software. So your hardware is the brain. It's how it's made. And we're not going to change that. That's God's design. But the software are the things that we upload into our mind. And those are the things that we do have choices about. And so from birth, we're beginning to upload software. We learn a language. That's an uploading in our software We study the Word of God, and we're putting that software into our mind. And our brain is designed so that what we're putting into our mind works for us or gives us problems because God didn't design our brain to be containers of worry. Therefore, when we worry, and we're all going to worry. Andrea, do you ever worry? I worry all the time. Yep. I wake up and I I, I worry and I think, (laughs) how can I control this situation? I know, (laughs) and I've been caught doing it as well. However, there's a difference in momentary worry or getting something on your mind than a lifestyle of worry. And so many things become avenues for our software. So it's our experiences, it's our family environment, it's our thoughts, and probably even some things we're predisposed to when it comes to worry and those kinds of things. So there's a lot of things that are uploading that we don't even realize. Absolutely. And we're, we're uploading from the moment of birth, from church, family, 
the culture around us, our school experiences, our friend experiences, you know, we are making decisions in our mind all the time and we are developing belief systems and you know i think as we know the enemy comes to steal kill and destroy and one thing that i think he does is he keeps us unaware of this truth and and it's just like we just look at our life and we think well that's just our reality or that's just how i am and we're going to get into that uh, in our second program together but we have to realize that we do have a choice we do have an opportunity to look at our thoughts and to take the ones captive that are not in conformity with god with his word with his will and to take those thoughts and to transition them through the sanctification process to be biblical. So on the other side of the break, we're going to come back and we're going to talk about the material that you developed through Think on These Things and how we have a process to take those thoughts captive so that we can live in obedience to Jesus Christ. In just a moment, Andrea will return with a final thought. If you would like to hear more of her teachings, visit andrealennonministry.org. It is the ultimate website for the girl on the go with Bible studies, video sessions, podcasts, books, and down-to-earth blogs straight from Andrea's heart. Be sure and subscribe so that you can stay connected. Again, that's andrealennon.org. Now, let's hear a final truth from Andrea. Friends, we're back, and I'm so thankful for our topic today because this topic meets us right in the middle of where we are. I mean, right in the middle of our thoughts, right in the middle of our daily life. And Donna, thank you so much for just pouring into us and helping us to realize that those thoughts that we're uploading that are not in conformity to God and to His Word, we can take those captive. Absolutely, we can. All right, so we're going to just move right into the heart of the material that you wrote called Think on These Things, and it's really helpful to people. So tell us about it. Okay, when I was developing the materials, one of the sections called Renewing Our Mind, I worked on trying to come up with some practical tools that would help people to really change their thoughts. That was the trickier part because people would realize, I know that's not right, but I don't know what to do with it. And I love for things to be simple and practical. And I sometimes say and laugh, that's just maybe because I'm simple-minded But uh, that seems to work for most of us. And I can still remember where I was traveling. I was driving down the road. I can still remember exactly where I was. So I I know this is something God gave to me because I hadn't seen it before, read it before. But I thought, I need to put this into categories of thinking that will make sense to people that they can understand. So I, I started to think about the different types of thoughts that we have. And the first category are thoughts that are not true. And that comes from just my clients and so many things we've talked about, believing things that are not true. And I I knew that scripturally, um, you know, it says to take captive every thought and make that obedient to Christ. So it is looking at something and not just accepting it, but no, go through the lens of what the truth is And so you take a thought that is not true and you simply say, stop, what's the truth? And that's where we go to truthful. Our thoughts need to be truthful. And so many people will say to me, well, it feels true to me. So there are two questions that you can ask yourself to determine if it's true. One, would you look at another person and tell them that? Two, would God agree with you? And that will stop everyone. They know then that's not true. So you change it to something truthful. 
And this is where the brain is involved. You don't simply just go, stop, that's not true. When you change it to a truth, you have activated the part of your brain, that prefrontal cortex, where we are logical, rational, it's where we worship God. And that's the opposite of where we're firing up things that are untruthful because that stimulates worry and anxiety. So there are thoughts that we have that are not true. And we need to become aware of catching that. And I use this tool all the time in my life to stop and say, that's not true. What is the truth? Sometimes it's over trivial things. I'll never get all these Christmas decorations put up. That's not true, you know. So the next category of thinking are things that are true, but they're hard. We can't make everything just turn around and be okay. We know that there's sadness. We live in a fallen world. There's tragedies. There's accidents. There's death. Many things that are true and they're hard. But in the midst of those thoughts, instead of just living there and ruminating over that, it's okay to give it time. In fact, we need to. We need to pour out our heart. But at some point, we say, but, and we give ourselves hope. And that's where we're hopeful. And that's a biblical concept. God never leaves us without hope. From Genesis to Revelation, you will see hope. And Jesus said, in this world, there will be trouble. And some translations are suffering, but. Be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. So there's always hope. There are many hopeful things. I will see my loved one again. But God will help me through this. But I have a church community of believers that are supporting me. That doesn't mean everything's going to feel good automatically, but it does mean that we are not people without hope. It keeps us from despair. And that's so powerful because we all face difficult situations, overwhelming situations. And if we stay in that situation, we begin to think in a temporary way. And so then that leads to the worry and the anxiety and the feeling of the whirlwind, you know, where our circumstances then are determining if we're okay. Well, and if we don't go into hope, what we can do is take that true and hard and go right back to that first category of things that are not true. Then we start to believe things. I'll never get through this. I'll never be the same again. We can just go from one untruth to spinning the true and hard. And it is so important to live in what is true and what is hopeful. But the third category is the most fun and the most underutilized. And it's things that are true and good. And the Bible tells us to dwell on it. And that's from Philippians 4, 6 through 9. You know, think on these things, whatever is true and pure and praiseworthy. And what does Scripture tell us to do? Dwell there. Dwell there. And that is helpful. Now, I say spin that out. We want to take something that's untrue and we think it to death. We want to take something that's hard and ruminate and ruminate and ruminate. I say take something that's good, dwell on it, just get up and thank God for a beautiful day, but don't stop there. Dwell on it. What does that mean? Think about how much God loves you. Dwell on it. Not in one sentence. Spin it out. Spin it out. And it's helpful. Those thoughts are helpful to us. And just you will see your spirit lift. You will see your mood lift. Because all three of these categories, when we go to the truth, when we go to hope, and when we go to these helpful places, 
we are stimulating brain activity as God has told us all through the scripture. He's told us to rejoice. He's told us to meditate on his word. Many things that we can think about that are very helpful to us. So this is really a simple tool, but it is God's plan. And it's so practical. I just love that because it really gives everyone who's listening right now, I know they're thinking, okay, I have some thoughts that I'm uploading that are not in line with what God says in his word. It is not what I would tell someone else. It is not what God would agree with. And so I can take these thoughts captive. And Donna, just because I've walked with you through the process of you developing this material and teaching this material, I know that there are some amazing stories of people who have been helped by this material all the way from young children to senior adults. And that's what I think is so beautiful is that this is practical and it's practical for all ages. Absolutely. Unfortunately, we developed the pattern of worry at a very young age. I don't specialize in children, but some of my Christian families will ask for some tools and I'm happy to help them walk their children through how to stop a thought. You know, worry would fall into things that aren't true because All the what ifs, they aren't real. They haven't happened. So you simply help children learn to stop what's true. You know, they start to worry about, you know, will I have someone to play with on the playground? Well, what's true? There's many children out there. I can walk up to someone and say hi. Just helping them with these simple tools. But this is practical for all of us. And none of us have it all together enough that we never have to challenge ourselves to rethink something. And even as you're talking, I think about the possibility of families doing this together, like the power in that, the power of community to challenge each other when we hear something that's not true, when we hear something that is not helpful or hopeful to say, stop, let's talk about that. Absolutely. And I practice this almost daily in my life. And I have a few people that I'm very comfortable saying, am I thinking about this correctly? Andrea is one of them. My family, well, I'll say, am I thinking about this correctly? And as a family, our son and his family moved in June from living three minutes from me to six hours. They moved to Wichita, Kansas. And that may seem like a very normal situation, and it is. It wasn't normal for me. And I practiced this, and we would have many conversations that would go to the hopeful part and things that were truthful and helpful that, you know, we will find many ways to stay connected because it felt like a disconnect. I could have easily gone to true and hard and lived there. So I worked at bringing hope into that, that distance doesn't separate the love of a family. We will make a way to connect. So I practiced all three levels of this to get through that transition. And I've practiced it in so many different areas of my life, whether it's a friend who is struggling with cancer or a situation with my son graduating from high school and entering a new phase. Maybe it's, you know, aging parents or just relationships in general. Like how can we take these thoughts captive and apply biblical truth to our everyday lives? And and that's another thing I, I know I've heard you say so many times, Donna, and that is we need to make sure that we are getting the word of God applied to our everyday lives. Absolutely, because we can know something and it not be effective in our life. It is a scripture that we know, but we're not applying it. This is a question, and I think many of you probably already gone there in your minds. You know, how can we not 
get things on our mind. Like you mentioned a friend with cancer. There is a difference in worry and concern. Worry is spinning around things that are completely out of our control in a way that you feel it. It feels heavy. It feels burdensome. And it it's useless. There's one definition that says that tormenting ourselves and our minds. Concern is normal. Compassion and care. We should have concern when we have a friend with cancer. There are many things in our lives and around us that we're concerned about, but concern will propel us to movement. It's not useless spinning your wheels. Even if it's out of our control, it will move us to pray. It will move us to be helpful. It will move us to do some act of compassion. And again, that's a biblical principle that when people are truly compassionate you see them move to action. So concern should be a part of our Christian walk. Worry, no. Yeah, and that's whenever we know that we're in worry. And most of the time we know that we're there. That's when we engage in the process of renewing our mind, making sure that our thoughts are truthful, helpful, and hopeful. This episode of Inspire On The Go is over, but we hope you'll be back next Monday for the latest episode. In the meantime, you can visit absc.org forward slash inspire podcast to find more episodes and ways to connect with Andrea. Also, if you're in central Arkansas, you can find Andrea's radio show Truth On The Go at 93.3 The Fish and 99.5 Faith Talk Radio on Sunday mornings.